Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to mention to you uh, going forward a couple of big things we've got going on this month. Actually, four big things going on this month. Uh, Easter services will be in two weeks. And so we'll have our, our two services going on. I want to encourage you to bring someone that day. You know, there's a lot of people, the only two times a year they go to church is, is a Christmas service like we have and then an Easter service. So invite your friends, bring them in, and let them experience God. I believe God's going to do amazing things that day. Next week, we're starting two services. Evan did a good job of explaining that to you. I'll be reminding you during the week, those of you that Facebook and all that other stuff, I'll do a one call next Saturday to remind you. But next Sunday, 8.30 a.m. is first service. Okay, now here's the deal. They're going to be the same services, okay? I'm going to preach awesome twice. It's going to be great. No, but we're going to do the same worship, same. Th- so I don't want you to feel like you're going to miss something if you go to one or the other. We're going to do it the same. Here's why we're doing that. There are churches around the country that have a traditional service and a contemporary service. We do a blended service where we tie in old songs, new songs, all the different things. And here's why. One of these days, and I hope very soon, we're going to have another building built out here. Big sanctuary. When we do that, we'll all be back together, hopefully for one service. And I hope we grow big enough where we need more than that. But here's the truth. I don't want to do two services because I don't want to have two different churches. And then when you get back together, then we have fighting because somebody wants, you know, we're not going to do that. Okay, so we're going to do the same service twice, so you're not going to miss anything. And I want to encourage you to come. Uh, just out of curiosity, and I'm, I'm just curious, how many of you are planning to come to the 830 service? Let me see your hands. Oh, that's awesome. That's great, okay? You can put them down. How many of you are planning to come to the second service, the 1045 service, okay? Wonderful. And then we're going to have Sunday school in between. So what I want you to do is if you're going to the first service, stay for Sunday school. If you're going to the second service, come for Sunday school and then stay through to the second service. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want you to be patient. It's going to take us a little while. I mean, don't expect everything to be perfect. Week one, you know, we're going to have to figure things out. But just know that's coming, okay? So that's going to start next week. Now, on the 20th is when, excuse me, the 27th is when we're going to do the, uh, the movie theater, the movie God's Not Dead. It's getting great reviews around the country, and we have already pre-purchased 200 tickets to that movie, okay? We're going to have two special showing times that we're going to do, and, and we are going to sign up as a church that we're going to have those two blocks. So what I, here's what I want you to do. I want to make sure everybody's clear. The 200 tickets that we've purchased are for the people you're going to bring, that means 200 people we're hoping that either don't know the Lord or not connected anywhere to a local church body. We want you to find 200 people to do that. Then we want you to purchase your own ticket, okay? Your contribution to this deal is you're going to buy a ticket, and then we're going to give you a ticket, and that ticket's for somebody else. Does everybody understand that? This means yes, this means no. Yes, right here? So Barbie, stand up real quick. Barbie is the one coordinating this, so after the service today, you can go talk to her, and she will visit with you about that. Next Saturday, everybody say next Saturday. Saturday. 
the church from Memphis is coming in. They have put together 300 Easter baskets, and we have invited all the kids from the elementary school in town. It'll be on the radio this week and in the newspaper. We're going to have a special Easter egg hunt for all these kids. So next Saturday, we're going to have that special hunt. If you would like to volunteer and help for that, please make sure you also get with Barbie about that today, and she will fill you in. Sounds good? Isn't it great we've got a lot going on? It's exciting to see what God's doing in our church and, and in the community. Church, would you bring me up my sermon? I might need that. Thank you, Sue, very much. Yeah, if I was in the spirit, she said I'd have it memorized. Thank you for those words of encouragement. That's very, very awesome. <laughs> We're in our second week of the series on hope. Now, here's what hope is. Hope is an anxious, in a good way, expectation of something good that's going to happen. In other words, let's say you have somebody that's preparing this amazing meal for you and you are expectantly anticipating it to be a great thing. It's like Christmas morning when you're looking at all the gifts under the tree. You are hoping. There's this expectation, this really great expectation about what's going to happen. It's something you're excited about. That's what hope is. It's an expectation, an excitement about what God is going to do, about our future. It's about something that's coming down the road. And so hope is a huge thing. Hope is the thing that lifts you up. When you're discouraged, hope is what you need to get you out of the hole that you're in, to help kind of get you out of the ditch. And, so, and that's what hope is about. And as Christians, we need hope. Because if you look around in the world, there's a lot of rough things going on, aren't there? You know, you spend five minutes with just about anybody and say, man, how are you doing? You better not ask that unless you want to know. And most of it's not good, is it? Well, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that, I'm dealing with the other thing. And what can happen is, is if that begins to define your life, you'll lose hope. And you'll become discouraged. And the Bible tells us that we are to be full of hope. Amen? So let's go ahead and jump into our notes here. Hebrews 6, verse 11 out of the New Living Translation, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Isn't it amazing that hope is tied to loving other people? I've become convinced of something. Absolutely convinced of this. If you're dealing with a lot of challenges in your life right now, serve. If you're dealing with challenges in your life, love other people. Put yourself in a position to, to serve and love other people. And I want to tell you, it is one of the best things in the world. For instance, when we do our backpack event and you're putting shoes on kids that don't have shoes, you may be having a bad day, but when you're dealing with somebody that's got flip-flops taped around their feet, it'll change your heart a little bit. And God has a way of, if we will reach out and love other people, you will get your eyes off yourself. And I want to tell you, it's an amazing antidote. And I want to encourage you in your life, if you're dealing with depression or discouragement or different things, you need to find ways to serve and find ways to get plugged in because it will help you get your focus off of yourself. Amen? Boy, look at y'all. Woo! Everybody say amen. 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 It makes me feel better. I appreciate that. All right, Colossians 1, 22 and 23 out of the New Living Translation. This is awesome. Yet now God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, in other words, as a result of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again, listen to this. He has brought you into 
his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. Because of what Jesus has done, communion that we celebrate today, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He gives us his Holy Spirit. We are able then to come into God's presence, holy and blameless. Y'all, that's awesome. That is awesome. Because I don't know about y'all, but there are days that I don't feel very holy and blameless. But listen to this verse, 23. But you, everybody say you, must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. I'm going to read that again. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you've received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Let me explain this to you. We celebrate communion. We recognize as Christians that Jesus has died for us, right? We believe that. We receive that. We become the people that God's called us to be. But what the Apostle Paul tells us here, we have to continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. That sounds like effort, doesn't it? And the implication is you don't have to do that. And, and he even goes on to say in the next verse, don't drift away. Don't drift away. How many of you ever been a lake or a river or anything like that in like a floaty or something? You ever been in a, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you bigger floaties than others, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, come on. But you know, have you ever been maybe in the river and, and you're kind of laying on a mat or you're sitting in an inner tube or something and, and you kind of start over here and gradually, gradually you look up and all of a sudden you're 200 yards from where you thought you were going to be. You ever done that? That can be a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? But you know what's interesting about that is drifting away takes time. It takes time. And you know what? It can sneak up on you. All of a sudden, you look up, and you're way away from where you ever intended to be. And that's what he's talking about here. You have to stand firm in your faith. You have to stand firm. There is effort that you must stand firm. It's on you. You know, God's not going to cast you out, but you have to make some effort to stand. There's effort there that's required to stand. And he says, don't drift away. Don't who drift away? You drift away. I mean, I know there have been times I'd be out in the river or maybe floating down in a kayak or whatever, and I realize I'm not where I want to be. So who's going to paddle me back over there? Who is that? Me. It's my responsibility. Paddle back to where I'm supposed to be and get back on track. And I want you to understand something today. There's no condemnation in this house. If you find yourself as one of those Christians that's drifted away, and you know you're supposed to be over here, but all of a sudden you're over here and you've drifted away, look, there's no condemnation. Guess what? Paddle back. Paddle back. God's not going to go over there and beat you over the head and go, you dummy. If you'd have paddled, you wouldn't be in this spot. That's not how he rolls. That's not how God works. There is therefore now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Repent and then get back to where you need to be. And that's one of the things we need to learn as Christians is we need to be quick to repent, which means seriously turn away. I don't mean just confess your sins. Lord, I did this, 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 and this, but there's no change. Repentance means to turn away from. Repentance means to get back on track, and that takes effort, and that means we have to do something. And Paul tells us we have to do that. Don't 
drift away from the assurance that you've received. Here, the title of my sermon today is Fighting for Hope. It takes effort to keep hope alive in your heart. It takes effort. And you know, I, I've talked to many people before, uh, and you've done the same thing. Maybe you talk to somebody that you haven't seen in church for a while, or you know that's going through struggles, and maybe the conversation goes something like this. Hey man, why don't you come back to church, come back and see us, or, or wherever they are, or have you been going to church? No, I tried that, and it didn't work. Have you ever heard anybody say that? They say it kind of like they tried McDonald's and didn't like it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, and, and, and I want you to understand why it's so important. You can't just try church out. You've got to jump in. It's not a, a drive-through, you know, me standing at the door handing you a sermon and you head on out. I mean, there, there's effort and, there, and there's continuity. I mean, that's the same thing as going, hey, man, have you been exercising? No, I tried that one time and it just I didn't like it. What would you say to that? Well, that's silly, isn't it? What do you mean you tried to exercise one time? Yeah, I went in there and I worked out, and the next day I didn't really notice anything. Matter of fact, I was kind of sore. Boy, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> and it's funny, right? But we do the same thing with church. Well, I tried it, but it didn't work out. Well, you know what? Maybe you ought to go a little bit more. And I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about any good church. You've got to be there long enough for change to happen. If you want to see a change in your physical body, you're going to have to consistently exercise. You know what um, exercise people will tell you, and Mark will tell you this, and Patty? It almost doesn't matter what kind of exercise you do as long as you do it consistently. You can do push-ups, you can lift weights, you can walk 30 minutes a day, you can jog. The, the key is consistency. And if you do something long enough consistently, you're going to see an impact in your life. And it's the same way in our relationship with God. You can't decide today that you're going to stand firm and tomorrow drift away and the third day stand. You're just going to be all over the place and you're never going to see the results you want in your life. You have to fight for it. And it takes effort. So I don't want you to be fooled, church, that somehow, you know, by very little effort, you're going to achieve what God's called you to achieve in life. It's going to take work. If you want to become the person that God's called you to become, it's going to take effort on your part and consistency. You need to be at church on Sunday morning. Some of you need to come twice. Come on. <laughs> you know, we're giving you that option now. You know, I mean, and I can tell you who you are if you want me to. I mean, it's all good. But, hey, I need it. I'll be here twice. <laughs> so, but, but the truth is, you know, if, if you're struggling in your life spiritually, if, if your life is not where you need to be, you need to be here. Right? I mean, you need to come on Wednesday night. We're, we're planning on some neat new things doing on Wednesday night. We're going to be giving you opportunities, but it's not going to help you if you're not here. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's for your benefit. I don't get any magical gold stars. It's for you. So if you want your life to change, you're going to have to be consistent. Amen? Listen to me. God has a plan for your life. Everybody say, my life. God has a plan for you. Listen to this statement. I wrote this down this week. You were saved and rescued by God, not just for your salvation alone, but to become a vital part of God's plan for the salvation of other people, including your family, friends, and the world. He saved you because he loves Monica, but he also saved you because he knows Monica has a lot of people that she can reach with her gift, and she does. 
He loves us that much. He saved Heidi for the same reason. Saved Consuelo for the same reason. He saved Wardell for the same reason. He loves him so much that he died for him, but he also put gifts and talents in him to reach other people. And it's the same way for every person in this room. And you will not find your fulfillment in life until you begin to walk in that. You know, our society is so all about ourselves. Has anybody ever noticed that? It's pretty selfish. It's all about me. Amen. And we end up with this selfish society that doesn't get anywhere. Marty, if you'll record that, I'd like people to hear that song. That was really awesome. <laughs> but you know, it, it becomes so, we become so self-centered and self-absorbed that we forget that that's not why we're here. Yes, God wants you to enjoy your life. Yes, God wants you to experience the fullness of who he's called you to be. But you're only going to find that when you're loving others and loving God. That's just the way it works. Romans 15 verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. I'm going to read that again. For whatever was written in the former days, whatever in the Bible was written for our instruction. Everyone say instruction. That through endurance, everybody say endurance, and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. I'm going to talk to you today about three little points about what hope is all about and what the Bible is all about for us. Number one, look at your notes. All Scripture, this Bible, all Scripture is for our instruction. It's for our instruction. And let me explain to you what this means. Many of us, when we get born again, we're very excited and we like to be encouraged by the Scriptures. We love reading the Scriptures that encourage us, but we don't necessarily like the Scriptures that instruct us. We like the Scriptures that encourage us, in other words, the Scriptures that make us feel good, but we kind of like to skip over the ones that kind of step on our toes a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes we'll leave church Sunday morning, and I'll think, man, that was rough today because maybe God gave me something that was more instructive. And, and, it, and it, you know, some of you probably feel like I was jumping on your toes all morning. But I'll have people call me and say, man, I really needed that. Well, that's good because that's instruction. And we need the Scriptures to instruct us. If there are areas in your life that aren't going well, Scripture can instruct you about the changes that you need to make. And it's not always about what you like. Let me give you a better example. It's kind of like the difference between encouragement and instruction is the difference between dessert and the main meal. How many of you would rather just eat dessert all the time? Oh, I know. I can tell some of you. Come on. (laughs) Look at me. But seriously, you know, many of us would rather just have dessert. Bring on the Twinkies now. Hallelujah. Yes, I see those hands. You know, we we want dessert, but the truth is, if we're going to be balanced in our life, we also need a meal to go along with it. We got to eat our greens, right? Chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and salad. (laughs) You know, I mean, we kind of need to be well-rounded, right? Come on. We need that. And if you read the Bible just to make yourself feel better, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. We need to be encouraged. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But we also need to be instructed and taught the way that we should go. And the Scripture is there for us like that. By the way, before I forget, 
Lieutenant Duncan, are you a captain now? What, what is your, I want to make sure I'm calling you right. Still, Lieutenant, with your, I mean, but Taylor, we appreciate, everybody, Taylor, stand up, come on. My understanding is you're being transferred to California, and you work for Missile Command, Space Command. He's out there protecting us, watching stuff in space, and, and, and taking care of us, and we appreciate, we, we appreciate your service for what you do for us, and I mean that. Thank you. That's so awesome to have him out there. Don't you love having people smarter than you taking care of you? I, I love that about him. So here's what I want you to understand. The scripture's for teaching and encouragement. You know, back in the day when missionaries were traveling around the world, way, especially back in the 1700s, 1800s, here's what would usually happen. Usually these missionaries would go into an area and they would build a hospital. They would build a hospital to take care of all the sick people. Christian hospital. And then right after that, they would build a school. And it's not by coincidence that that happens. It's the same way in our churches. This church is a hospital for those that are hurting and broken, but it's also an educational center. It's an educational center to help you learn about who you are in Christ. Otherwise, you're going to need a hospital all the time. Does that make sense? Because here's the deal. Our whole ministry is built around helping you understand who you are in Christ. We should be growing in our faith. We should be growing from first grade to second grade to third grade and on in our relationship with God. But that only happens when we're taught and we're instructed. Otherwise, we're constantly going to be stumbling over the same problems and the same challenges because we're not learning. Hello? Do you understand? And so the scripture is there for our instruction. So understand today, if things aren't going in your life like you think they should, it's probably because you need some instruction from the Bible to guide you. Amen? Y'all, this is, I'm preaching better than y'all are saying anything. Come on, man. I, come on, Tim Evans. Say something. Come on. Where you at? Hallelujah. Thank you. I paid you that 10 bucks. Do something. I mean, come on. <laughs> Isaiah 5, verse 13. This is important. Therefore, my people go into exile for lack of knowledge. Their honored men go hungry, and their multitude is parched with thirst. I want to examine the first part. My people go into exile. My people go into captivity for lack of understanding. In other words, they're ignorant, not stupid. They're ignorant. They don't understand. And because they don't understand who they are, because they don't understand what the Scripture says, because they haven't received instruction, they go into bondage. Because they don't understand. And I see so many Christians that way. We don't know who we are in Christ, and so we fall for anything. And we go this, and we go that, and we don't understand the Scripture. And I want you to understand something. I'm not asking you to become a biblical scholar. I'm not. I'm not. I don't consider myself a biblical scholar. But we do need to understand the Word enough to know what it says and allow it to instruct us. Because if we don't, we're going to fall for everything. And you don't want to be that person spiritually. You don't want to be that person that every time somebody comes up with a cool new spiritual idea, you fall for it. 
You need to understand who you are in Christ. You need to understand the word. And guys, I can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. Amen? You know, thank God we have people like Taylor that are, that are protecting us so that we have the ability to open up our Bibles every day. Instead of being in one of those many, many countries around the world where you can get killed for having one. And most of us, our houses are full of Bibles that never get opened. Right? Spend some time in that thing. And I want to encourage you in this. If you have a Bible that you don't understand, get with me. We will find you a Bible that you understand. Okay? There's a lot of good translations out there that will help you. And there's this new thing. It's called the Internet. I don't know, but I think it's going to catch on. And you can go in and you can literally study in Greek and Hebrew and learn all these things from your computer. I do it every week. And it can help you. So use that resource. Listen to this, Galatians 5.1. So Jesus has truly set us free. Man, Jesus has set us free. Next statement. Now make sure that you stay free. You know what that implies? Jesus has set you free, but guess what? You can go back into bondage. What? Yes. You can choose to go back into bondage. I'm not talking about him not being able to save you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the word can come in and set you free, but you can allow yourself for the devil to mess with you all the time. Don't allow yourself to go back into bondage. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. I love that. Don't become just this rule follower that all, that's all you do and you lose your passion for who Jesus really is. Yeah, Jesus said he came to fulfill the whole law. Amen, that's awesome. But if all you do is get tied up trying to get rules, there's no relationship there. God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Number two, all the scriptures are intended by God to give us steadfastness and encouragement. All scriptures are intended by God to give us steadfastness and encouragement. I looked up the definition of steadfastness. It means firmly fixed in place, immovable. Firmly fixed in place. You know, we've got some rocks on our property that are what I would call immovable. <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget we first moved here. And I remember I'm from Texas and, and primarily East Texas, which I think there's like one rock in all of East Texas. But, you know, anyway, the real sandy soil and all that. And so I get up here and I'm going to put in a food plot behind the house, right? So I'm all excited. So Ronnie goes, yeah, come on over and use the tractor. I'll never forget this. As long, it kind of gives me chills when I start thinking about it again. I get back there with the disc behind the tractor. I drop the disc ground and ground. I hadn't gone five feet till I thought the world was coming apart. I mean, and it was like right below the surface was all this rock, right? And I mean, it, and I remember going back to Ronnie. I literally was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought I'd torn the tractor up and everything else. He goes, no, man. He goes, there's just rocks everywhere. But there are some rocks on our property that are like the size of like Volkswagens. I mean, these things are huge. And then they go down into the ground, and they're connected to the center of the earth. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So I want you to get this mental picture in your head that the Word of God is to help us be immovable. You know, there's some things that people cannot argue, me, argue out of me, make me change my mind on. My salvation, 
what Jesus has done. I know what that stuff is. I don't care who argues with me. Smartest dude on the planet can argue with me, but I know what I know. And I'm immovable in that. And we need to become with the scriptures that we understand and we become immovable. We become steadfast. And here's the other thing. Encouragement. The scriptures are for our encouragement. And that means something that makes someone more determined, hopeful, or confident. Don't you love to be around people that encourage you? The people, and you can, right now, I mean, I can say that, and there's people in your life that are like, you can do it. You can do it. You can do anything. You can do this. You can do that. Come on, you can do it. I love being around those kind of people. Trish is one of those people. She was always that way with me growing up. You can do it. You can do it. And I am a lot of who I am today because she encouraged me and stood behind me and helped me get past areas in my life that I was nervous about or wasn't good at. And there are people in your life that can encourage you, and we all need people like that. We need people that are there for us. And I want to tell you this today. Some of you need to change your friends. Some of you need to change your friends. And you go, Pastor, that's so mean. No, really. I mean, kids, how many times have I said it? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if you're hanging around with a bunch of boneheads, what do you think is going to happen to you? Hello. Some of you can go, amen. Right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You need to get around people that are going to encourage you to do good things, to, to become the person that God's called you to be. And that's environmental, guys. That, that's about the people you hang out with. And you need to make sure you're hanging around people that are helping you become the person that you want to be. Amen? That was free this morning. That wasn't even, I mean, that was like extra. Number three. All the scriptures have this goal. All scripture have this goal. Listen to this. To sustain our hope. Scripture has this goal. To sustain our hope. Listen to this. I love this. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying Our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So listen to this next verse. So don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, fix your gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. You know, this world, where we're at, this is eventually going to pass away. Some of the troubles that you're facing now are going to pass away. And I just want to give you a newsflash, guys. A lot of the troubles you experience, some of the things that you go through, God allows you to go through them because they're making you a better person. And it's how you approach it. It's how you approach it. When you come to God and say, all right, Lord, work this out in me. Lord, take this situation that seems horrible. Lord, I just pray. I know that you love me, God, so I pray that you would do your work in me. And I want you to understand something today, guys. I mean, hear me. God loves you so much, but you need to allow him to work his will out in your life. And some of you are fighting God. 
And you keep running into these troubles and these challenges, and God's wanting to use that to shape you and mold you. You know, the Bible says that, that, um, that many times there's friction between people, but that's good. The Bible says iron sharpens iron like one man sharpens another, and that means there's friction. And some of the people in your life that you can't stand the most, God allows them to be in your life because they're helping shape you into who you're supposed to be. That doesn't sound like much fun, does it? But that's how it works. You know, there, some of the people that I have in my life, sometimes I'll get around people that have a little bit of a different personality. It kind of rubs me the wrong way. But sometimes I'll do that because I know that they sharpen me up and they help me be better. But what you need to do is surrender to that process and allow God to continue to work that in you. Why? Because he has put a hope out there for you. And that's in the future. And you have to allow him to work you to that place. You understand? So look at your situation differently. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for this hope that you've given us. Lord, I thank you that you have an amazing future for each one of our lives. But, Father, we have to fight for it. Lord, we just can't stand there and expect it to happen. Lord, we need to learn to stand firm. Father, we need to learn to read the word and understand that's for our instruction to help us to become the people that we're supposed to be. And, Lord, I thank you for that. And, Father, that we have a part to play. So, Lord, I pray today that as we're in this room, that, Lord, your spirit would move among people and and you would touch different people. Some of these people are here today, Father, and their life is not where they want it to be. Their, Their life's not going like they expected it to. And, Father, I just pray today that you would speak to them and they would surrender to you and that you would work your process out in their life. Thank you, Lord. There's people in this room today, Lord, that are fighting you. They're fighting you. They want to do their own thing, and it's not working, but they keep fighting you. Lord, I just pray right now that your peace would fill this place, and Lord, you begin to minister to them. Some of you need to surrender to him. I want you to understand something. He loves you so much that he died for you. He gave his life so that you could be free. But if you want to experience that freedom, you have got to surrender to him. Say, Pastor, that's scary. I understand. I can tell you that the more I give him, the more he makes my life better. Not always easier, but he loves you and you can trust him. If you're here today, maybe that's you. Maybe maybe you've been fighting against God. Maybe you know you need to surrender to him. You know you need to give your life over to him. You need to surrender some different areas. Maybe there's some relationships that you're struggling with. And and, and maybe there's some people that you're hanging around with that are not the people you need to be hanging around with. Whatever it is that you're facing today, I want you to understand something. You can come to the cross. Jesus said, I will never cast you out. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary. That means tired and heavy laden, overburdened. You're carrying too much. 
He said, I'll take that, and then I'll give you my yoke. And my yoke is easy and light. Man, that sounds good. So here's what I want to do right now. If that's you today, if you're here and you're carrying something, you just need to lay it down. You you need to surrender your life. You've got some challenges you're facing. Whatever's going on, you just know you need to come to the front. You need to to hear from God. You need to touch from God today. If that's you, I just want you to get up, come on down to the altar, and we're going to pray. Take that time. This is for you today. Bible, when you begin to get in, y'all can keep praying, when you get in and you begin to allow the Word to instruct you, you know what's awesome about it? One of the things I love about it, lots of awesome stuff, is those people in there are just like me and you. I was reading yesterday in my Bible study time about Rahab, and Rahab was a prostitute. And she was in the city of Jericho, and the spies came to her, and God moved on her heart, and she ended up prostitute being the one that God used to to hide the spies and the city was eventually taken over 
her family was adopted into the Hebrew nation. They were adopted into the Israelite family, and she ended up being in the bloodline of Jesus. Wow. Some of you go, well, I'm not that bad off. Doesn't matter. Moses was a murderer, so was Paul. I look at what God's doing. He's looking for anybody that's willing. He's looking for anybody that's willing. Searching to and fro, saying, all right, who's going to lift her? Who's going to lift their hand up? Who's going to do it? Who's going to be that one? Who's going to be that one? And here's the deal. It's not about you anyway. He will pour his spirit in you. And he will take you to places you never thought you could go. You just got to be willing. He changed me. And I'm a knucklehead most of the time. Amen. Thank you. I thought I'd say it before y'all did. He's just looking for somebody. Surrender your life. Let him work in you. Watch what he's going to do. He's in the business of doing that. He'll use us because he loves us. He's not scared of your past. He's not scared of your weaknesses. Moses had a stutter. Moses. That was funny. Come on. Y'all got to help me out. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So God's just going, come on. Who's what? You know? And he'll use us. Man, that fires me up. Let's all stand up this morning. All right, I want you to put your hand on your heart this morning. That's that thing in the middle of your chest, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Father, I thank you for this church family. Lord, I thank you for... For all the folks that are here today, I pray, Lord, that this word would sink deep. Father, more than anything, that your Holy Spirit would begin to move in our lives. That, Lord, your love would grow in our hearts. That, Father, we would draw close to you. And, Lord, as we draw close to you, that you would do what you said and you would draw close to us. And, Lord, I pray for each person here that they would experience you in an amazing way this week. And, Lord, I pray also that you would use them this week to see other people that are hurting and they would reach out a hand to them just like you did for us, Jesus, and help us to love people around us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' holy and blessed name, amen. All right, now here's the deal. We still have people praying and we want to honor that, amen. That's awesome. Uh, As you leave today, many of you uh, are going to be staying here for the training with Angela. Um, and so that's going to be back in the fellowship hall. She's got food, which is hallelujah. You know, we need that. The rest of you, I want you to enjoy your week. Be looking for God to do something amazing in your life this week, okay? God bless you as you go. As you leave, high five three people. Tell them you're glad they're here. We'll see you next week. No church tonight. No church tonight.